I'm Charlie. I'm Joseph. And I'm Spencer. Welcome back to the Church Closet. All right. We really appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us the journey thus far. It's been great um, talking to some of our fans, started to get some emails, started to talk to some people online about the podcast, really excited about the direction we're going in. This week, uh, we're tackling the question of how our same-sex attraction influences relationships with people of the same sex. Without sounding like we're checking out every guy we know, because I'm not, I think. You're not, right? No. I'm not either. For me, sometimes it's completely irrelevant. Not every man in my life is actually good-looking. Not every man is actually in a desirable age range, um, which is good. I'm glad my sin has some boundaries, although I wish it had better ones, like going away entirely. I guess that's a good point. I think people get really worried, I, I guess for good reason, because thinking about it in terms of like, you know, uh, from my experience, guys and girls, uh, uh, there's a lot of paranoia, especially older people towards younger people, you know, high school, college age, young adults thinking that, oh, guys are just going to be attracted to every single woman that they set their eyes on. Just no one's safe. It's just uh, it's just kind of a free for all, which it's not. I understand the paranoia to a degree. You have to be cautious. Uh, you have to set appropriate boundaries. But assuming that just because someone is same sex attracted, they're attracted to everyone of the same sex. It's a little overboard, maybe. Yeah, and I agree. Like, growing up, I've always had more friends that were female than I had male. And really, that was because I really connected more with the females. I um, was really able to stay with them. The guys were either way too much into sports, they were the jock types, or they were just jerks. So growing up, I was really more hanging out with females and... Um, didn't see a problem with that because, I mean, I was raised with my mom and my sister, so, like, I didn't see a problem with that much at all. Um, but growing up, going to college, I started to want to have more guy friends, especially being on a dorm room hall where there's 20-odd guys. I don't know how to live. <laughs> like Charlie said, I'm glad my son has boundaries. Not every guy is my type. Um, so most of my friends, they're either not my type or if they are, I've put more boundaries in my mind because the friendship is more important to me than the feeling. Um, in college, I didn't really have a good, strong guy group until later on in my college career. I started to have one, but it, we all grew apart and sought out different friend groups, which happens freshman, sophomore year. You're going to change friend groups about three to four times, and that's okay. So junior year, I finally got this solid guy group, and they accepted me for who I was, knowing that I struggle with same-sex attraction, and they didn't care. Like, they cared enough to, like, check in on me, see how I was doing, but they didn't make it awkward. They invited me to random things late at night. They invited me. To go with them, do whatever, just like a normal guy. I wasn't treated any differently, and I did not know what to expect because earlier in my college career, it was more of how do I interact with guys? Like I said, you're on a hall with 20-odd guys in a dorm room with over 100, or a dorm building with over 100. 
<laughs> they really pack them in nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but it's more of how do I interact with a world like this? It was almost like a culture shock. And so that's something I had to learn. So having same-sex attraction affected it mainly on my side of not knowing how to interact. But once I figured it out and found a solid group of guys, I've now been able to interact with more guys and have more guy friends just because I know what boundaries I need to set up with them and with myself. For me, there's a fairly noticeable distinction between when almost nobody knew about my same-sex attraction and when most of my friends have known about my same-sex attraction. Because while I was in college, I didn't really talk about it much. There were a couple specific individuals that I trusted, but it was mostly a problem I kept to myself because I didn't see what other people could offer. And I naturally struggle to talk about myself in any way, shape or form. Not even because I don't want to, but because I assume that if people want information about me, they can either look at me and see what I'm doing or they can ask me and it not be that complicated. I was a bit wrong. I, I need to talk more about myself sometimes than I have previously. And that meant learning to be more open about my sexuality and when to be more open about my sexuality. Because when the door on my closet was completely closed, the burden was entirely on me to control my lust. When I did find guys attractive, I assumed that they would never find out which sort of gave me free reign to sin as long as I didn't literally try to kiss them or have sex with them or have a boyfriend. And something that I think is different about my sexuality, it developed as an attraction to looking at guys, but didn't have a strong relational base. All through high school and all through college, I acted under the assumption that someday I would marry a woman because my attraction had nothing to do with marriage in my mind. So with my guy friends, I would look for opportunities to see the ones that I found more attractive. I often sinned and lusted after them, and I could get away with it because they would never find out. Now, I have to live and act under the assumption that my sin will be found out. And so I, I don't tell people that I'm gay the first time I meet them usually, there are a few exceptions to that rule, but in general, I want to be known as Charlie before I am known as that gay person or that person dealing with same-sex attraction. Part of not being defined by my sin is not introducing myself by my sin. And so I, I wait before telling people until, I, until they have seen more of me. And part of that is knowing that if they're going to find out that I deal with same-sex attraction, someday they are going to look back on what I have said, what I have done, and I don't want it to be gay. I don't want it to be sin-based. I want them to be able to look back on my conversations with them, my interactions with them, including any physical interactions I have with them, and know that it wasn't because of their bodies and it was because of an actual desire for friendship with them, uh, to care about them, to love them. 
learning to be more open about my sexuality has set me up for better accountability. Now I have roommates who will ask me about my interactions with other guys, even if those other guys don't know about my same-sex attraction. Another way my same-sex attraction affects my relationships with other guys, strangely enough, I try to set straight men up. (laughs) No, not that way. (laughs) Which, I mean, it's totally fine if you do. Uh, We need the help, I would say. (laughs) I try to... I ask questions and probe to find out what boundaries straight men have before I share my information with them. One of the most common questions I'll ask guys for this specific topic is, would you change clothes in front of someone who deals with same-sex attraction? And there isn't one consistent answer that I get. I don't think there's one clearly defined answer to that question. Because some people will say, I mean, yeah, I probably already have because there are same-sex attracted people everywhere. And I've shared locker rooms. I've shared dorm rooms. I've been in public shower spaces. You know, they just accept that that is a reality that they deal with. And then other people say, no, I don't change clothes in front of anybody. So... Sexuality has absolutely nothing to do with it. You're a little bit of a prude, but that's an okay answer, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) I don't actually think that, but I'm going to tease you some. Other guys say, no, I'm not going to change in front of anyone who deals with same-sex attraction. Because while it might not be a problem for them, I don't want to take the risk that it will be a problem for them. And then the other main answer that I get from people is, that I would just talk to my friend and find out what his needs are because I don't need precautions in every changing scenario, but I need them in some scenarios. And some of my best friendships are the ones where I can express my needs, where I can say, Hey, I need to not see that because I'm a sinner. Uh, Usually not so cruelly. Just say, Hey, it would be better for me if this situation didn't happen hey, these are some standards that I need in place for my own good. And then they don't make a big deal out of it other than just responding to what I need. And I try to make my needs realistic and they try to realistically help me. And then friendship continues, which is really nice. Yeah, I actually remember the first time you asked me that question. We were just, you know, going back and forth. And I definitely didn't have a clear answer. It's not something I'd really considered before. Uh, but it's a good question. It helped me to, you know, interrogate my assumptions about what's my responsibility, what's uh, someone who's same-sex attracted, what's their responsibility. And I think common across the answers that people give, the good ones, is uh, wanting what's best for the person who's same-sex attracted. There's no one right answer, but if you go about it thinking, all right, I'm going to take care of my brother in Christ. I'm going to do what I can as just an act of love. And that's all, as long as you think of it that way, that it's a way to serve the body, then there's a, there's a number of potential right answers there. Uh, on the one hand, I don't want to call attention to um, and be like, oh, you're so fragile, so I'm going to like make a show out of taking care of you, or I'm going to treat you differently, like you were saying, Joseph, about you want to be just one of the guys. It's very hard to get and very hard to keep, um, so I want to treat that with respect, while at the same time, 
not making things hard for people. Uh, and that's just something you can work through by having some of those conversations. If you're willing to talk and you're willing to be like, huh, what are, what are some healthy boundaries that don't cut you off from the friend group? Because boundaries, boundaries can be strict to the point where they're really ostracizing and they really just prevent those, you know, genuine connections. But boundaries are a good thing. There are ways in which we can serve each other. Specifically when it comes to changing room scenarios, locker room scenarios, I want comp what I want is sometimes more complicated and less realistic than I want it to be. Because in an ideal world, it wouldn't matter. But also part of why I don't want it to matter at all is because when I'm sitting, I don't want to be caught. In contrast, I've also experienced that when a friend has checked on me to make sure something wasn't a problem and been willing to do something about it if there was a problem, that's really helped me feel seen and feel heard and known. And I love that feeling. I just wish it didn't have to happen in that situation. That actually reminds me of this really great quote from, I think it was St. Augustine said it originally, some form of it. Um, where he would say, you know, I used to pray, Lord, make me chaste. And then my heart would add on, but don't do it just yet. It's, uh, especially with sexual sin in my own life, uh, just frustratingly difficult to be honest with myself, to actually want to be holy, to actually want to have pure motivations. Uh, it seems like a very common experience where a part of you is like, yes, I'm going to honor God with my sexuality, but there's all kinds of ways you can be duplicitous about it. You can cut yourself off from accountability because really accountability is hard and in the flesh that's not actually what i want what i want in the flesh is free license to sin whenever i want however i want um and that's a, a difficult thing to overcome and those of you who don't struggle with same-sex attraction imagine i guess the increased uh maybe the increased availability because especially in the church our systems are set up to limit the opportunities for uh, men to lust after women and vice versa our systems are not set up to prevent women from lusting after women and men men in, uh, in that way. Not to say that there is any excuse about it, but it's something to keep in mind. Understanding that the world that someone else has to live in is, is not designed the same way. It's designed for uh, straight people. Uh, this is just something to keep in mind that might add an extra layer of complexity for people who are same-sex attracted. To be seen and known seem very similar, but yet two different things. Many of us, as it was discussed um, a couple episodes ago, have been seen and judged. But how many of us have actually been known? To be known means to check in and see, hey, is this a problem? But that's not all of it. To be known means to see them as a person and to love them as a person, regardless of what they struggle with. So we've talked about boundaries. We've talked about being seen and being known. Take this with you. When you see someone, get to know them. The old proverb of, you know, you don't know somebody until you walked a mile in their shoes. Take the first step. Get to know them. Because the world will be a whole lot better place if we stop judging each other. And we take a step in each other's shoes. Be seen and be known. Another aspect that I of same-sex friendships that I wanted to discuss is that it isn't all about the attraction 
or at least not always about the physical attraction. One thing I've noticed is that when I pick a favorite, different from a best friend, because best friends are sort of like favorite, but given time and maturity and experience, if you don't start with the maturity, then you'll get it eventually. But picking a favorite, like, I like this person, I'm going to spend as much time with this person, I'm going to try to get to know them as absolutely much as possible, and I'm going to do everything I can to be known by them. And if you rush that on someone, as I would say I have when I've been emotionally attracted to someone, which is often paired with physical attraction, but not always, uh, what, when I've been emotionally attracted to someone, I have tried to become an integral part of their life and to the point where I get hurt when they can't give me all the time that I crave. And I, now that I have recognized that pattern in myself, I approach things more slowly, not in a bitter way, like I will never get that closest that I desire, but I approach friendships in a way that takes into account their wants, their needs, what's actually practical, and to let them continue their lives, joining where I can, but accepting where there is a different, where there's space from us. Whether because they have different friends or they have some interests where ours aren't perfectly lined up. So in seeking for close friendship, because a big part of being gay is that I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. So even when it's easy to ignore the lustful part of the sin, sometimes the fear of what the sin does will cause me to cling emotionally to people who I am not supposed to cling emotionally to. So sometimes I have to take a step back. Sometimes I need friends who will ask me, hey, give that person space, or what are you doing here? Is it actually safe and healthy for both of you? And I keep in mind that some friendships come and go, and it gives me the ability to enjoy some relationships that go deep really quickly but aren't designed to last longer than a few months or a year. I've had some great friendships that only lasted that long. And because I was prepared for the future separation, I didn't latch too many hopes and dreams on someone, and I just enjoyed the friendship for what it was worth. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, uh, talk about a little bit of my experience. So how my sexuality shapes my relationships with the same sex. Uh, first, um, I haven't ever had an attraction to someone of the same sex, which I say I, I guess we, you guys have figured that out by now, but it's not obvious. I think a lot of people who are overwhelmingly straight have either had confused thoughts at some point, have been unsure about their sexuality, maybe uh, unsure about their attractions, incidental attractions to people of the same sex. That happens. If that's you, everything we've said on this podcast still applies to you. There's plenty of space for people who have all, all sorts of attractions in the church as long as you're you're striving to live in holiness. So don't be terrified if you've ever experienced attraction to people of the same sex. But, you know, that's not the category that I'm in. I will say that um, 
my sexuality and other guys sexuality has provided opportunities for bonding provided opportunities for mentorship provided a lot of late night conversations where someone younger than me comes to me and is like hey i like this person i don't know what to do or hey i have the real problems with pornography or um hey what do you think how do you think i should think about sex because i was raised this way and now i'm not so sure anymore and those kind of conversations are great at cutting past uh, taboos, cutting past uh, polite social norms. It's a great way to really get to know someone. Sharing something that you know that's intimate and full of pitfalls and full of potential mistakes like that can really bring you together with someone, especially as you bond over your shared faith and your shared commitment to want to do the right thing with your sexuality. I really value uh, all my close friendships with guys And I feel like it's always come up. It always comes up at some point because no matter how weird you think you are, everyone has a lot of insecurities around their sexuality, not just when they're in high school, not just when they're going through adolescence, not just when they're in a relationship all the time on a lot of different things. There's a lot to talk about. And those relationships have served a great catalyst for me, learning and teaching and I'm uh, I'm grateful for that, especially the people who have given me a framework for being, especially the people that I've listened to who give me a framework for talking about my sexuality and who give me tools that I can share with other people. Something I wanted to cover, and it's a question, starting with a question for Joseph. How has your same-sex attraction not affected your relationship with other guys? To be honest, I don't know how to answer that question. Mainly because even in my friendships with guys, I constantly am checking in on myself of, is this healthy? Is it right? Do I need to end this? And that's a constant battle. Some guys, it's easier than others. There are some days, though, where I don't have to think about that, where we're just hanging out, where we're walking around the nearest city just hanging out as friends to where I'm just one of the guys, like I said earlier, and I don't have to worry about that. But there are other times where it's just really bad to where I have to keep checking in on myself of where is my heart at. So I can't really answer that question because it's always a constant battle. And I agree that it's always going to be relevant in almost every male friendship. It helps if you have ugly friends, but I guess more practically, one of the ways I approach my relationships with my guy friends is that I still want to be able to have fun. It's sort of part of what you described about being one of the guys, but then also it brings out my breaking of social conventions, because one of the things that I do is that I, in addition to dancing with women, I also dance with guys occasionally. Sometimes it's because it's funny. Sometimes it's because I want to learn a new dance move. Um, I enjoy lifts and flips. I enjoy challenges. And dancing with guys occasionally provides that in a healthy way. Um, Yeah, I have to make sure that it's... I have to check my motives. I have to make sure it's not lustful. But 
I don't want there to be so many boundaries that I lose sight of the friendship part of being friends with guys. I want to be able to dance with them. I want to be able to laugh with them and make stupid jokes. Um, I want to be able to hug them. It's sort of, it's a lot more work, but I have to wrestle with what does same-sex attraction, what does the sin actually make me want to do, and what part of my desires are actually honoring to God. Because my solution could be to avoid men. I could avoid hugs because, oh my goodness, hugs are emotional closeness. I could avoid male friendships because any friendship with a man is an opportunity for a sexual affair. Just like so many men approach their relationships with women, where they put a boundary of not being friends with women because of the potential dangers. Um, <clears throat> I could avoid emotional closeness because of the fear of having unhealthy emotional attachment but i want friendship and i need friendship and if i let my sin define the limits of my friendships instead of letting god his word and the commandment to love my neighbor as myself define the closeness i get with the men in my life then satan is winning and I don't want Satan to win by causing me to stumble sexually or emotionally. But I also don't want Satan to win by building up walls and barricades between me and half of the world's population. I want better than that. I think God offers better than that. So that's what I'm working for in my relationships with men. Yeah. I think that this podcast is an unrepresentative sample so to our listeners at home. Uh, I'm actually friends with Charlie and Joseph outside of the podcast. Their whole personality is not. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tell me I'm their friend. I don't believe them. But like a person's whole personality is not wrapped up in their same sex attraction. It is an aspect, an important aspect. That's you know why we're doing the podcast. But yeah, there, there are so many aspects of Charlie and Joseph that are not captured by just, you know, same sex attraction or their sexuality or conversations about it. Um, those of you who don't have friends who are same-sex attracted or who haven't come out to you, um, you can put that to rest. Uh, one might even say, we're all human. Thank you all for joining us today on this episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at thechurchclosetpod, and our email address is thechurchcloset at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>